A new house bill comes through. They try to push it through without anybody noticing as everybody's coming back and watching GameStop. And you guys, you're definitely not going to like this one. So we'll go through a bit about what's going on over there. AOC gets back in the news because nobody's paying enough attention to her, so she ramps up the rhetoric once again. Andy Bashir is on the chopping block as impeachment comes for him, along with very uh, various other people around the country. And Ronna McDaniel says that uh, she very much regrets the fact that Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani got to have their press conference. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We have got a bunch of stuff to get to today here. A bunch of, I mean, we're not focusing on one story like we have for the past couple weeks because the news media remembers that it's, I mean, wall to wall, the Trump scandal here. They're starting to remember that they can't do that anymore here. So looks like we're trying to start to get to some of the smattering here. And there's a pretty big mixed bag, including a bizarre story out of Rochester where police... Well, they should be getting protested right now. But before we do any of that, head on over to freedomscoop.com. Freedomscoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your news and commentary needs, where we carry great shows such as The Generational Gap, The Daily Ignoramus, The Breakdown with Birkenhoff, The R-Rated Conservative, and The Freckles and Brit Show. Come on over there, pick up some of our swag, and help us support creators. After we get ourselves back up and running here, we are still, pardon the dust, doing a major construction overhaul to the website, so... It's coming. Keep an eye on it and keep it bookmarked because once it's up there, we want you checking out all of our content all the time. So go ahead and check us out over there. Pick up some of that swag. Help us support great creators. And in the meantime, check out all of the great creators that I mentioned up at the top. All right. Looking in at the stocks for the day. Starting with the Dow, which actually had an update yesterday. And everything had to reload right now, so it looks like it uh, just went through back here, and it's at its previous close once again. But yes, it did have an update yesterday. We are at 30,211.91 points on it, and it's looking like, according to the futures, we will see another update coming back from this again. Uh, as far as Bitcoin goes, Bitcoin ended yesterday at 35,123.30. Now, Elon Musk said he's going to be taking some time off Twitter, and a few people were bummed about that, and he has been one of the ones that are popping up there. But, of course, you see the advertisements coming up there saying, and there's one down here, too, saying, yes, Bitcoin could be the new GameStop. Bitcoin is already bloated, so find another coin to get on there because you're not going to make your money off Bitcoin again. That's a PSYOP. That right there, that is a PSYOP. All right, let's see what IBD has to say for the day. Dow Jones futures rally as Biden. Republicans hopeful for stimulus deal. GME stock crashes another 40%. From Scott Litonin. Dow Jones futures along with S&P 500 futures and NASDAQ 100 futures were sharply higher early Tuesday after a productive stimulus talks between President Joe Biden and a group of Republican senators. GME stock crashed another 40% early Tuesday amid the ongoing short squeeze. Tesla stock surged on a price target hike on Monday, while Dow Jones leader Apple is again approaching a buy point. 
The stock market recovered from Friday's sell-off as the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite surged 2.5%. The S&P 500 rallied 1.6%, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average followed up with a 0.8% gain. Among the Dow Jones leaders, Apple rallied 1.6%, while Microsoft rose 3.3%. Apple stock remains below its recent buy point, while Microsoft is now just out of buy range. Tesla recovered from Friday's 5% sell-off, raising 5.8% higher Monday. Among the Chinese EV leaders, NIO fell further below its buy point, while Xpeng Motors remains far from its old highs. Both reported strong January sales. Li Auto reported January sales late on Monday. Among top stocks in or near buy zones, Adapt Health broke out past a new buy point and is in buy range. PayPal continued to rebound from its 50-day key support level. Meanwhile, ServiceNow is just under its own buy point. Apple, Microsoft, PayPal, and Tesla are IBD leaderboard stocks. Adapt Health was Monday's IBD stock of the day, while ServiceNow was featured in this week's Stocks Near a Buy Zone. On the futures, ahead of the stock market open Tuesday, Dow Jones futures rallied 0.8%, while S&P 500 futures moved up 0.8% versus fair value. NASDAQ 100 futures were up 0.8% versus fair value. Remember, trading in Dow Jones futures and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. So, that's what we see coming up off of the stocks from there. Let's see what CNBC had to say about the close yesterday. Stocks are set to rally for a second day as GameStop media, retail mania rather, unwinds. Dow futures up 250 points. From Yoon Lee and Jesse Pound. U.S. stock futures were solidly higher early Tuesday, building on a strong rally in the previous session as concerns about a speculative retail trading frenzy eased. Futures contracts tied to the Dow Jones Industrial Average climbed about 250 points, implying an opening gain of about 200 points. S&P 500 futures jumped 0.9%, and NASDAQ 100 futures also gained 0.8%. The rise in futures, as well as the market gains on Monday, coincided with a sharp reversal in GameStop, the video game retailer that captivated Wall Street with its massive short squeeze coordinated by a band of retail investors on social media. GameStop, fresh off 400% rise last week, slid 30% Monday and fell another 40% in pre-market trading. So, as that goes... That's gone. Nobody's going to be paying attention to that anymore. And hey, now we're going to move on to the very next thing. Hey, I'm, I, I hope you guys made your money. But uh, yeah, that's gone. We're not going to advertise that anymore. <clears throat> Other highly speculative investments popular with the Reddit crowd also started to decline. AMC Entertainment dropped more than 30% in pre-market. Futures contracts for silver, which enjoyed their biggest one-day jump in 11 years, on Monday slid more than 5% on Tuesday. Some investors took it as a sign that the speculative mania from the retail traders is unwinding, which is healthy for the overall market. The GME nonsense seems to be abating as the fever around the cohort of stocks starts to break, Adam Chrisafuli, founder of Vital Knowledge, said in a note. On Monday, the Dow added more than 200 points, and S&P 500 posted its best day since November at 11, or as, that's not grammatically correct. All 11 sectors rose. The stock market was coming off its worst week since October as many grew worried about the wild trading activity in those heavily shorted names could be contagious and spill over to other areas of the market. 
Investors will be met with a slew of earnings on Tuesday, including industry leaders Pfizer, ExxonMobil, before the bell. Tech giants Amazon and Alphabet will report after the market close. So, looks like we're going to be seeing earnings coming up here, and that's going to be doing some things as far as we go with the stocks and the trading and everything that goes along with that. And GameStop dropped off, and I guess people realize that the markets always win, and the big billionaire investors always win, too. So, that's what we're seeing coming off of that here. Let's move into the big news of the day. Starting with something that came up in the chat last night while we were on the Red Net show here. So I wanted to talk a bit about this. But I'm going to come right out and say before I go into this, this was almost impossible to find anything about. There is no news on this whatsoever. I'm actually glad somebody in the chat brought that up. Because otherwise, I don't think anybody would have even heard about this. So, you're hearing it here first. New gun bill would require public registry of all weapons. This is from lcvalley.dailyfly.com, which I've never heard of before. Uh, there was a lacrosse-based news site, but, you know, ad block and everything else with that, and it wouldn't archive in time for me to get it on the show here, but let's talk about what's going on here. Jackson Lee, Sheila, has introduced Bill H.R. 127, which would require gun owners to register their firearms within three months or face legal consequences. One, required information under the firearm registration system. The owner of a firearm shall transmit to the Bureau the make, model, and serial number of the firearm and identity of the owner of the firearm. The date the firearm was acquired by the owner and where the firearm will be or is or will be stored and notice specifying the identity of any person to whom and any period of time during which the firearm will be loaned to the person. Deadline for supplying information, the transmission required by paragraph 1 shall be made in the case of the firearm acquired before the effective date of this section within three months after the effective date of this section or in the case of a firearm acquired on or after the effective date on the date the owner acquires the firearm. I know there's a lot of deep legalese text here but this is something that you guys do need to know is happening. The proposed bill would also create government database so the government can see who owns guns and where they are located. In general, the Attorney General shall establish and maintain a database of all firearms registered pursuant to this subsection. Access, the Attorney General shall make the contents of the database accessible to all members of the public, all federal, state, and local law enforcement authorities, all branches of of the United States Armed Forces and all state and local governments as defined by the Bureau. Third, licensing laws would be updated with the following. A, general license. Except as otherwise provided in this subsection, the Attorney General shall issue to an individual a license to possess a firearm and ammunition if the individual has attained 21 years of age after applying for the license, undergoes a criminal background check conducted by the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, established under Section 103 of the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act, and the check does not indicate that possession of a firearm by the individual would violate subsection G or N of Section 922 or state law. Two, this is the important one, undergoes a psychological evaluation conducted in accordance with paragraph two, and evaluation does not indicate that the individual is psychologically unsuited to possess a firearm, and three, first off, on two, who decides, and that's the important thing with all of this, who decides. That's the thing, you have to pay attention to this because they're gonna try and cram this down through you. 
and make you go through this, make you go through their rigor. And hey, who's to say that somewhere down the line, this psychological evaluation doesn't include voting for Donald Trump, voting for a libertarian candidate, voting for somebody that you don't like. Hey, if you vote for that evil Ted Cruz, we think that you're crazy and you can't carry a firearm. Three, successfully completes a training course certified by the AG in the use, safety, and storage of firearms that includes at least 24 hours of training. And three, demonstrates that on issuance of the license, the individual will have, in effect, an insurance policy issued under subsection D. The insurance description is below. In general, the AG shall issue any person who has applied for a license pursuant to subsection uh, C and has paid the AG a fee specified in the paragraph of the subsection, a policy that insures a person against liability for losses and damages resulting from the use of any firearm by the person during the one-year period that begins with the date the policy is issued to fee. The fee specified in this paragraph is $800. You have to pay $800 to have your firearms license under this. All of this was taken directly from Congress.gov. A pro-gun group called the Citizens Committee for the Rights to Keep and Bear Arms called the bill Insanity on Steroids. Over the years, said CCRKBA Chairman Alan Gottlieb, we've seen some astonishing bad legislation originate on Capitol Hill, but this one takes the term abomination to an entirely new level. One look at this bill and you wonder whether Congresswoman Jackson Lee ever heard of the Bill of Rights, which includes the Second Amendment. The bill would also ban all 50 caliber weapons. So that's definitely something to look into, something to see, and uh, let's go look at what the text of this actually says, which I conveniently pulled up right before we got started. Give that a second to think. Come on, think faster. All right. We have in front of us HR 127, Sabika Sheik Firearm Licensing and Re uh, Registration Act. On the text, we're just gonna go, we're not gonna go through everything on this, but uh, we're gonna go through this a little bit here. The act may be cited as the Sabika Sheik Firearm Licensing and Registration Act. Uh, chapter 44 of Title 18, U.S. Code, is amended by adding the following, uh, at the end, the following. Licensing of firearm and ammunition possession, registration of firearms. In general, the a, uh, AG through the Bureau of ATF shall establish a system for licensing the possession of firearms and ammunition in the United States and for the registration with the Bureau of each firearm present in the U.S., Firearm Registration System Required Information the owner shall transmit to the Bureau the make, model, and serial number. We read that in the other article here. Uh, transmission within three months of the effective date of this section. The AG shall maintain a database of firearms registered, uh, except as otherwise provided in this subsection. AG shall issue an individual license to possess a firearm and ammunition if the individual is 21 after applying for the license. Um, we do have an antique firearm display license, which is separate. 
A military-style weapons license. The AG shall issue to an individual a license to own and possess a military-style weapon if the individual is a holder of a license issued under subparagraph uh, A and after applying for a license, so a separate license, for a military-style weapon, which they defined. Uh, psyche Val, by the way. Uh, denial of license required. The AG shall deny such a license if the individual is prohibited uh, by federal law from possessing a firearm, or if the individual has been hospitalized with a mental illness or disturbance or diagnosis, including depression, homicidal ideation, suicidal ideation, attempted suicide, or addiction to a controlled substance, within the meeting of the Controlled Substances Act, or alcohol, or brain disease, including dementia, Alzheimer's, or on account of conduct endangers self or others. Suspension, a license issued under the subsection to an individual who is under the indictment of a crime, punishable by imprisonment for a term exceeding a year, is hereby suspended. Authorized for lack of firearm insurance. You can lose your firearm license if you don't have insurance. Revocation, under A license issued under the subsection to an individual who is or becomes prohibited by federal state law from possessing a firearm is hereby revoked. Such an individual shall immediately return the license, surrender all firearms and ammunition owned or possessed by the individual to the AG. Um, expiration renewal, that's basic stuff here. Uh, fee specified is $800, and this is the military weapons defined. Section 922A of such title is amended by inserting after paragraph 29 the following. The term military-style weapon means any of the firearms, copies, or duplicates of the firearms in any caliber known as Norinco, Mitchell, and Poly Technologies, Avtomatic, Kalashnikovs, all models, Action Arms, Israeli Military Industries, Uzi, and Galil, Beretta, AR-70, SC-70, Colt, AR-15, Fabrique National FN dash, uh, slash FAL, FN slash LAR, and FNC. SWD, M10, M11, M11.9, and M12. Stair, AUG, Intratech, Tech 9, Tech DC 9, and Tech 22, and revolving cylinder shotguns such as or similar to the Street Sweeper or Striker 12. B, semi-automatic rifle that has the ability to accept a detachable magazine and has at least two of a, well, that's any pretty much semi-automatic, by the way. A folding or telescoping stock. A pistol grip that protrudes conspicuously between, uh, beneath the action of the weapon. A bayonet mount. A flash suppressor or threaded barrel designed to accommodate a flash suppressor and a grenade launcher. A semi-automatic pistol that has the ability to accept a detachable magazine, which is any semi-automatic pistol, by the way, and has at least two of, one, an ammunition magazine that attaches to the pistol outside of the pistol grip, two, a threaded barrel capable of accepting a barrel extender, flash suppressor, forward hand grip, or silencer, Three, a shroud that is attached to or partially completely encircles the barrel and permits the shooter to hold the firearm with the non-trigger hand without being burned. Four, a manufactured weight of 50 ounces or more when the pistol is unloaded. Five, a semi-automatic version of automatic firearm. And 
D, a semi-automatic shotgun that has at least two of a folding or telescoping stock, a pistol grip that protrudes conspicuously beneath the action of the weapon, a fixed magazine capacity in excess of five rounds, and the ability to accept a detachable magazine. Clerical amendment, the table of sections for such chapter, is amended by adding at the end of the following deadline for establishment, prohibitions, blah, blah, blah. This is the legalese once again. Penalties, we know what that is, but this is what they're trying to push through. This is what was written up while you were all paying attention to GameStop. And a lot of people said, what are they trying to push? What are they trying to force through while you're all paying attention to GameStop? While you're paying attention to what's going on in the stock market and whether or not the government bails out the hedge funds. This is some of the shit that they're trying to throw through there. Um, it was also talked about, when talking about this, that all 50 caliber weapons are banned at this point. I don't see anything that applies to that. I see the 50 ounces for a handgun, but I don't see anything, any provision for uh, 50 cal. However, with the list of military style weapons, or at least what they defined as military style weapons, this is going to cover almost everything in existence. Your pump action shotgun and your little revolver are what's going to be safe at this point. So definitely something to watch for here and see whether or not this could even possibly pass. And thank you, Sheila Jackson Lee, for putting this out there for everybody else to see. And thank you to the news media for covering this shit up because, uh, yeah, this is almost nowhere. If you go up, just do a quick Google search on HR 127. You're not going to find it. You're going to find the article I read and something from the La Crosse Tribune, a local Wisconsin newspaper, that is buried so deep behind an ad blocker paywall that you're never going to be able to look at it because there are 50,000 people in front of you on archive.today trying to get it archived. But yes, this is what they tried to cram through right here. And I didn't catch the name of who put this into the live chat last night, but uh, thank you whoever did, because this is definitely something that the world needs to see. You can't just keep hiding this shit back through there, so we will definitely be talking about this on Monday. Yeah, I hadn't even heard about this, so yeah, once again, if you guys have news articles, get in the Discord or the Gilded once we get that finished up and finished out building. That's going to be coming down the pipes. Elaine is doing a lot for that, but uh, Get into there and start, If like, if you see stuff like this, absolutely make sure that you get that up into the, uh, into everywhere that you can see. Did I lose my Twitch? I've got everything else is running. But I see Chilaga just uh, popped in over on Twitch. And Silentcaster saying the stream is dead. Uh, those of you on uh, all the other streams, you want to pop over and get in the Discord and tell everybody that uh, it's just Twitch, that everything else is running? That would be awesome. Thank you. I will get the YouTube link in there. I don't know if DLive was running today or not, so we'll see what happens. 
because that was having a hard time popping up here. I wonder if they just didn't want me talking about this anymore. I wonder if I just got banned on Twitch. We'll see. All right, let's keep going. Is, is D-Live on? I know that the title wouldn't change this morning. All right, let's keep going. From Axios. Ex-colleague of Hunter Biden's lawyer gets top DOJ post from Lachlan Marquet. Hunter Biden hired a new attorney to assist with his federal crimes, or criminal defense rather, a month before his father became president. On Inauguration Day, one of that lawyer's close colleagues was tapped to temporarily lead the Justice Department's criminal division. Why it matters, the move put the new DOJ official atop a powerful arm of the justice system, as his former colleague represents a client fending off a criminal probe. While their connection will fuel scrutiny of a politically charged matter, ethics experts say strictly adhering to conflict of interest rules can address any legitimate concerns. Why it's happening. In December, Hunter Biden hired a former federal prosecutor, Chris Clark, a partner at the law firm Latham & Watkins. The president's younger son is said to be under investigation for possible tax and money laundering activities with a potential counterintelligence component. At Latham, Clark worked on multiple cases with Nicholas McQuaid, another partner in the firm's white-collar defense and investigation practices, who is now leading DOJ's criminal investigation. The two were jointly representing at least one Latham client. When McQuaid was tapped for his new Justice Department job on January 20th, Clark is based out of Latham's New York office, according to the firm's website. In December, Hunter Biden was reportedly exploring additional legal representation in Delaware. Clark did not respond to inquiries. There's no indication McQuaid did any work on the Hunter Biden case, but... He's best buddies with Clark, and that is a conflict of interest. But, hey, who's to go out and tell the uh, government that there's uh, there's going to be conflict of interest somewhere? Who's, who's going to go out there and say that there? So, we will see what comes out of this. But, I mean, it's so weird that it just happens to be the partner of the person who's representing your kid that's now in the DOJ. It's so weird. Weird, I say. How could that ever happen? It's just a massive coincidence. Don't worry about any of that. All right, so that's what we are seeing coming back up off of there. All right, from the Daily Wire. Biden's Homeland Security Department, illegal immigrants should get the vaccine from Hank Berrien. On Monday, the Biden administration's Department of Homeland Security stated that illegal immigrants should get vaccinated for the coronavirus. DHS also asserted that U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement and U.S. Customs and Border Protection will not conduct enforcement operations at or near vaccine distribution sites or clinics. ICE does not and will not carry out enforcement operations at or near healthcare facilities, such as hospitals, doctor's offices, accredited health clinics, and emergent urgent care facilities except in the most extraordinary of circumstances. DHS issued a statement saying DHS and its federal government partners fully support equal access to COVID-19 vaccines and vaccine distribution sites for undocumented in, uh, immigrants. It is a moral and public health imperative to ensure that all individuals residing in the U.S. have access to a vaccine. DHS encourages all individuals, regardless of immigration status, to receive the COVID-19 vaccine once eligible under local distribution guidelines. DHS carries out its mission, including all areas within its COVID-19 response, without discrimination on the basis of race, 
ethnicity, nationality or other protected class, and in compliance with law and policy. Further, DHS supports the equitable and efficient distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine to all populations, including historically undeserved communities. You notice how much they're trying to get this into people who aren't white? You know, when they first started talking about this, they said, we're going to prioritize BIPOC people, black indigenous people of color. And now they're coming out and saying, Oh, well, let's also make sure we prioritize illegal immigrants. They were also talking about prioritizing people in Gitmo. I'm still, still to this day, not going to get the thing. Just saying. I don't feel a need to go out and get this particular vaccine, especially after they jammed it through. And we'll see what happens a year later. All right. Let's talk about everybody's favorite Democratic Socialist. As long as Ron Helton is over there on YouTube and doesn't have access to his stickers. Yes, yes, I know everything had to reload. Give that just a second. From Newsweek, archived because I ran out of free articles for the month. Pity me. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Honorable Representative D. Twitch, compares Ted Cruz to an abuser in escalating feud over Capitol riot fallout. In an Instagram live chat on Monday night, Democratic New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Honorable D. Twitch, discussed on the January 6th insurrection on the Capitol. During the discussion, she compared the actions of Republican Texas Senator Ted Cruz to the tactics of an abuser, while she publicly disclosed that she was a survivor of sexual abuse. Because of course she was. Who had that on the bingo card? So many of the people who helped perpetrate and who take responsibility for what happened at the Capitol are trying to tell us all to move on. And they're trying to tell us to forget what happened. They're trying to tell us it wasn't a big deal, okay? They're trying to tell us to move on without any accountability, without any truth telling, or without actually confronting the extreme damage, physical harm, loss of life or trauma that was inflicted on not just me as a person, not just other indiv people as individuals, but on all of us as a collective. Okay, sisters, and on many other people, Ocasio-Cortez said. We cannot move on without accountability, okay? We cannot heal without accountability. And so all those people who want to tell us to move on are doing so at their own convenience. She added before stating, the reason I say this and the reason I'm getting emotional in this moment is because these folks who tell us to move on, okay? That it's, it's not a big deal, okay, essay? That we should forget that it's happened. Or even telling us to apologize. These are the same tactics of abusers, okay? And I'm a survivor of sexual assault. And I haven't told many people that in my life. Well. <clears throat> honestly. I don't believe you. I don't. This seems to be conveniently timed right after nobody's paying attention to what it is that you want to do and people are getting ready to go and start moving on. All right. There's more to this too, by the way. Fox News has another article coming back and talking about the same thing. AOC's Ted Cruz tweet sparks growing pushback from the House Republicans. From Bradford Betts. Oh, this is going to autoplay on me, isn't it? 
Oh, well, I've got the autoplay protection turned on here. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Thursday tweet in which she appeared to accuse Senator Ted Cruz of being complicit in attempted murder has received for, uh, some pushback from House Republicans who have added their names to a letter demanding that she apologize. Pfft. Yeah, that's going to happen. See, told you it was going to autoplay on me. Oh, wait, you couldn't hear that. Eh, it's running slow. The ordeal began when Cruz uh, tweeted that he agreed with Ocasio-Cortez's assertion that the decision by Robinhood, the online trading platform, to block retail investors might require a hearing by the Financial Services Committee. Ocasio-Cortez, she was happy to work with Republicans on the issue, where there's common ground, but accused Cruz, uh, Cruz rather of having her murdered during the siege on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. She evidently insinuated that Cruz's objection to the January 6th certification of the presidential election results helped to inspire a mob to storm the Capitol, forcing lawmakers inside to go into hiding. And we, we talked about that last week here. Fox News reached out to President Biden's office later Thursday, asking if the Congresswoman's message, accusing Cruz of almost having her murdered, comports with the new administration's message of unity, but has not gotten a response back. On Thursday, Representative Chip Roy wrote to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi asking her to make the New York Democrat retractor scurrilous charge against Cruz. By Monday, 13 additional House lawmakers signed on to the letter. It has come to our attention that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Honorable Representative D. Twitch, sent out a tweet that she accused Senator Cruz, in essence, of attempted murder. The letter said, We believe this is completely unacceptable behavior for a member of Congress to make this kind of scurrilous charge. Never mind the fact that you're in the same chamber where Alexander Hamilton shot Aaron Burr. You know, where Washington and Jefferson didn't talk to each other for a decade. This is nothing new, you guys. In the House Senate for simply engaging in speech and debate regarding electors as they interpreted the Constitution. It added, it is our sincere hope that we all stop this heightened rhetoric and move forward to actually do the work the American people sent us here to do. So that letter's coming out here. I've got one more here talking about this and possibly a little bit of a rebuke from people like me who read these articles every day. Give this a second to reload once again. This is an op-ed from the New York Post from Carol Markowitz. Obsessing over AOC only boosts her profile and her terrible ideas. Which was kind of the point of putting her in the office to begin with. What will it take for Republicans to stop putting a socialist lawmaker in the spotlight, either by lamely attempting to cooperate with her, or succumbing to the temptation to savage her inane online effusions, or both, and thereby helping to boost her profile? Last week, in the midst of GameStop mania, Senator Ted Cruz retweeted Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez going off on Robinhood for blocking small investors from purchasing stock. I agree, Ted Cruz tweeted. It wasn't the first time the Texas conservative firebrand has gone out of his way to signal his agreement with Ocasio-Cortez. In May of 2019, Cruz signaled his concurrence with her call for a lifetime ban on lawmakers from becoming lobbyists. Here's something I don't say often, Cruz tweeted. On this point, I agree with AOC. Indeed, I have 
long called for a lifetime ban on former members of Congress becoming lobbyists. The swamp would hate it, but perhaps a chance for some bipartisan cooperation. And the pair did cooperate, working on a bill together that went nowhere. This time, though, she body-slammed Cruz in response. I'm happy to work with Republicans on this issue, where there's common ground. But you, Cruz, almost had me murdered three weeks ago. So you can just sit this one out, okay, Poppy? Happy to work with almost any other GOP member that are trying to get me killed. In the meantime, if you want to help, you can resign, okay? Cruz was understandably outraged, but what did he expect? Ocasio-Cortez is pointly not a friend of anyone on the right. She's barely even a friend of Democrats. She's in the House to be outraged and to be outrageous. She's a self-described democratic socialist. Her purpose is to destroy the Ted Cruz's of the world and everything they stand for. So why is he even bothering? Would Ocasio-Cortez ever go out of her way to agree with Cruz or any Republican? Of course not. So I understand the point of this because it does seem that Whenever AOC does something stupid, which only happens on days that end in Y, everybody comes back and calls her out for this. She gets a huge spotlight and her sycophatic simps come out and try to boost the ideas and try and pump all this back up. I mean, she's got, a, what is it, 10 million followers or whatever over on Twitter. But we saw the same thing out of the mega crowd too. So you can't put the blame in that direction off of this. But that's what happens. I mean, you boost her stupidity, and then she just gets a big further reach off of this one here. Unfortunately, there are two sides to this. Now, the author should not be rebuking Cruz for trying to reach across the aisle with somebody who agrees with him. And if they can work together, on, we do need more bipartisanship. Otherwise, we see stuff like, well, this. Where it's, okay, now you're on the right, so that means you just had to try to have, have me killed, okay? So... With that, we do need to pay attention, but we also need to make sure that we're paying attention to the radical agenda that a person like this is trying to push across. Because otherwise we get bills like the one that we saw at the beginning of the show talking about H.R. 127 shoved in under the, under the mattress, under the mat. And if not been for somebody in the live chat, I wouldn't have heard about this until they're knocking on the door saying, I need your fucking registration right now. I would have never heard about this. Whether it passed or not, we would have never heard about this. And we need to know the kind of shit that they're trying to push through. We do need to know that. We need to pay more attention to the government. Especially if we are an enthusiast of the Second Amendment. Which I am. That is absolutely something we need to be paying attention to. And yes, this woman here, if you don't pay attention to her, she is going to try and shove a bunch of stuff in behind the curtains that nobody sees or talks about. All right, let's see. Let's talk about Kentucky. Governor Bashir extends Kentucky's mask mandate for another 30 days from WLWT digital staff. Kentuckians can expect to continue wearing masks as mandated by Andy Bashir for a little while longer. The governor announced Monday that he's expanding Kentucky's mask mandate for another 30 days. At a news conference on Monday, Bashir said that it is absolutely critical that everyone continues to wear a mask. He said, as indicated by a drop in Kentucky's recent COVID-19 numbers, he believes masks are working. To lift this mandate now would leave us vulnerable at a time where we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, where we're already headed to victory. Bashir said, although the mandate has been extended for another 30 days, Bashir said the mandate could go for much longer. 
Well, there you go, Kentucky. You got another 30 days. However, from WHAS 11 ABC, this was left also in the chat last night, by the way. Thank you. From Chris Williams. Where's my headline? Effort to impeach Governor Bashir grows by 60,000 signatures. A group arrived in Frankfurt on Monday with a U-Haul trailer full of signatures calling for Governor Andy Bashir's impeachment. They believe Bashir violated the Constitution, which, uh, which has pandemic orders on travel and church services. They insist the 60,000 names could help prove their point. Dozens of boxes are now inside the Capitol, heading to Republican representatives in the impeachment committee. We have reports showing through Kentucky Treasurer that the governor knew they were unconstitutional, but he went ahead, and he did it anyway. And such knowing disregard for our Constitution should warrant removal from office, said T.J. Roberts, who was part of the group delivering the petition. The owner of Brood, a coffee shop in Lexington, is one of the main petitioners, and behind this effort, he said it cost $5,000 to print off the signatures. The impeachment committee voted to charge time and legal fees to anyone filing an impeachment petition. That does not have uh, that does not move through the process. So yeah, Bashir is looking down the barrel of impeachment. I always wonder how these get organized too. Okay. Let's get rid of the autoplay here. But anyway, yeah, going off on this, and this is something that uh, I'm always interested in because I know in my state they didn't do an impeachment on Scott Walker. They did a recall. They went back and they ran through the recall election and they tried to get the vote overturned, which meant having a new election. Now, the impeachment would be removal from office for a criminal charge, which I don't know if they have or not. I think that's just misconduct in office, which I would think would be a recall, but... I mean, that's what goes on between the different states, so we see. But, yeah, another governor that looks to be about to be held accountable for his actions. Maybe he won't be held accountable. Maybe it won't get there. Maybe it won't get through. But we will see what happens off of that. From the Daily Wire, Representative Jackie Spear suggests labeling Republicans terrorists. From Paul Bois. And let's move right down forward more to that one-party rule. Representative Jackie Spears said on Monday in a tweet that since Republicans sometimes use the term radical left to refer to Democrats, Democrats should label the GOP with an even more extreme moniker. The Republicans have been calling Democrats the radical left. Time to call Republicans the terrorist right, she tweeted. Spears' tweet was met with a swell of support on social media, including from one tree, uh, Hill actress, Sophia Bush, who said in response, it's Ben time. Agree, nothing good about my former party now. Those decent folks who remain in it should exit, said one Twitter user. The Republican Party has shown that they support the overthrow of America's democracy and is now part of Trump's new party, the Insurrectionist Party, said another. So, yeah, pretty much all of this is is Jackie Spire saying, yes, let's label Republicans terrorists, and a bunch of people kneeling down to lick her out. Let's keep going. Another one from Newsweek here, archived. Jimmy Kimmel sparks anger for calling Reddit investors Russian disruptors from Emma Nolan. Jimmy Kimmel has sparked anger online after he called Reddit investors Russian disruptors. 
The late night host comments came amid the Wall Street frenzy that saw amateur investors from Reddit's Wall Street Bets community disrupt hedge funds last week by taking on those short-selling GameStop stock. GameStop, if you don't know, is a video game store. And like a lot of businesses, they've been struggling because of the commie coup. But also because most people buy games online now, Kimmel said as part of his Friday night monologue on Jimmy Kimmel Live. He continued, And yet, despite his sharp decline in sales over the past six months, the stock price has grown by 8,000% because a bunch of amateur investors, maybe even some Russian disruptors, who are part of a Reddit community called Wall Street Bets, decided to buy a bunch of GameStop stock and drive the price up and screw over the hedge fund guys who had shorted the stock. Now, the hedge fund guys are upset and they're pushing for investigation and they're like, we can't have a bunch of randos from Reddit manipulating the market. That's what we do, stealing our things. The comments have angered many Twitter users who feel that Kimmel is siding with Wall Street Wall Street investors over the underdog Reddit community who took on the stock exchange. Kimmel also caused upset by comparing the former host of The Daily Show, Jon Stewart, to Donald Trump in a screenshot of a now-deleted tweet that is circulating on the platform. Yep, he is still a dick. Yeah, no, we need to have the investigation because, I mean, they're, they're, Russian, inve they're Russian disruptors, okay? That's, that's all it is. It's just, it's Russia, Russia, Russia. They're still trying to pull the Trump narrative. Through the rest of time, they're going to keep uh, trying to pull that narrative and pull it off and keep it running. It's kind of sad, really. These, like, these media people don't know what to do without coming out and saying, Orange man, bad! Ha 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 ha! Hey, how bad is that orange man today? Ha 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 ha! So, that's where we get from that. Let's keep going. From Fox News. Go away. I don't want to deal with that right now. I'm on the air. No, I don't want to update my DVD player. BLM protesters surround Rochester Police Station after officers pepper spray restrain a nine-year-old. From Bradford Betts. Come on. I don't want to listen to this in my ear. All right, that's gone. Black Lives Matter demonstrators were surrounding a Rochester police station on Monday to protest officers who were captured on video handcuffing and pepper spraying a distraught nine-year-old girl last week. The protesters began to surround the police station and tear down a barricade following an announcement that the officers involved on the Friday night incident had been suspended. Let's have a listen and a look. Joke! It's a joke! Black Lives Matter! 
So that's what uh, we see coming off there. Rochester Police Captain Mark Mira told Fox News the protesters dispersed after pushing down a barricade and there were no confrontations, arrests, or injuries. He declined to comment on the ongoing situation with the officers. The officers suspended were not named. Their suspensions are effective immediately and will continue pending an internal investigation. Rochester Police released two body cam videos uh, Sunday of officers restraining and spraying with what police called a chemical irritant. The footage showed officers scolding the girl who was scrambling for her father. At one point, the officers heard telling her to stop acting like a child, to which she cried, I am a child. So, we're going to go off and talk on a local story on this one here. But, honestly, I always look for the justification for the reason why. I You're going to have a very, very large mountain to climb to get me to believe that pepper spraying a nine-year-old that was already in handcuffs was justified. Because, my God, why? A nine-year-old. I mean, I've got a seven-year-old nephew. You can just pick them up and set them down somewhere until they calm down. Why, why do you need an irritant? It's not like it's somebody who's six foot seven towering over you with massive rippling muscles that's bearing down on you. That's what you would use pepper spray for. A nine-year-old. Really? Let's see what the local story has to say. City suspends Rochester police officers involved in pepper spraying a nine-year-old girl. This might be the video right here. Well, that's just a screen cap. A screen grab from a Rochester Police Department body-worn camera that captured a female officer pepper spraying a nine-year-old handcuffed girl. Why? Why? What did? What could she possibly have been doing that would say, you know what, I need to pull my pepper spray out? I'm open to listening. I can't say that I'm going to accept your explanation, but I'm at least opening to, uh, open to listening. The Rochester police officer involved in using pepper spray on a nine-year-old girl last night, or week rather, have been suspended with pay effective immediately, the city announced in a news release on Monday. Mayor Lovely Warren ordered the suspensions after meeting with Rochester Police Chief Cynthia Harriet Sullivan. The release read that the suspensions are to continue at least until an internal police investigation to the matter is concluded. The city spokesperson explained that the suspensions were with pay due to contractual obligations between the city and the police union. On Monday night, a statement from RPD said that it is in response to Warren ordering the suspension of officers involved in the pepper spraying of a nine-year-old girl. The police department has immediately removed three officers involved from patrol duties. One officer was suspended and two officers were placed on administrative leave pending the outcome of an internal investigation. The incident took place on Avenue B Friday afternoon when police responded to the street for a call of family trouble. Portions of the video footage taken from two cameras worn by police who responded show the child handcuffed and screaming for her father while officers tried to restrain her and put her inside the police vehicle. You're acting like a child, the male officer can be heard telling the girl. I am a child, she screamed. Uh, 
let's have a look at this. Relax, dear. Stop. You're gonna be just. You gotta tell. Listen, you gotta tell this off. Put your foot here. No, and sit back. I want my dad. I'm gonna get your 
bathroom, otherwise you're gonna get hypothermia, so sit back, okay? I'll get your dad, I promise. Is he here? I don't know. Okay. I'll find him, okay? But you and look at me. I can't find your dad until you sit back and I can close the door, okay? I will find your dad, so sit back. I promise. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Don't look anywhere else. I promise. This is it. This is it, hon. Just stop for a Come second out. and take a deep breath. Hey, please just stop. Please. I will get your dad. No, <laughs> you said that you were going to pepper spray me. No, please, no, stop. Oh, I got a bad one. Just prayer. Just prayer at this point. Stop. What? No. Stop. No. No. Dear. Stop. I got, I got her. I got her. All right, that was enough of that there. I mean, we actually sat back and watched almost the entire video off of that. I didn't see anything in that interaction that required pepper spray of anything. Now, as far as the handcuff and getting in the car, if she did go off to run, then yes, there could have been even further problems with that. Running out, escape, running off to somewhere else, a kidnapper. I mean, under snow, it's possibly less possible, but... A kidnapper of some sort. Exploited children are terrible. So as far as the safety goes, getting her to a point where she can't run and hide somewhere, become a missing exploited child, that I understand. But pepper spray, a nine-year-old? No. No. So once again, I've got to see where this all started from. Why they're having this conversation with her in the first place. Why she's resisting so hard, too. There's so much more going along with that. But yeah, that's what we see from that. All right, from the hill. GOP group stops Stacy. Star gets Abrams ahead of expected 2022 run. Did you expect that she wasn't going to run in 2022 or any other election from here until the end of time at this point? She is the rightful governor of Georgia after all. From Julia Manchester. Republican strategists aligned with Georgia Governor Brian Kemp on Monday launched an outside group aimed at stopping potential 2022 gubernatorial run by Democrat Stacey Abrams. The independent group, dubbed Stop Stacey, says it will work to uncover what calls the former gubernatorial candidate shady voter groups that undermine election integrity and to unite and mobilize grassroots Republicans from across the country. 
We will do whatever it takes to expose Stacey Abrams' radical network, highlight her dangerous agenda, and ultimately defeat her and her left-wing candidates at the ballot box, the group's senior strategist, Jeremy Brand, said in a statement. There's no time to waste. We must stand up, fight back, and stop Stacey. Good idea, because I think Stacey Abrams is a terrible person, but the rhetoric? Dude, seriously? You're at 11. Let's take that down to like a 7 or a 6, maybe. The group's creation highlights how worried Georgia Republicans are about Abrams potentially challenging Kemp, who has been in the middle of a party infighting over the results of the 2020 presidential election. Abrams is widely expected to launch a second bid for the governor's mansion in Georgia on, uh, in 2022 after successfully reloading the page. After successfully leading the efforts to flip the peach state blue in 2020 at the presidential and Senate levels, the CEO of Abrams Group, Fair Fight, responded to the formation of the group, telling Republicans to start serving Georgians. Well, yeah, you could be doing that too. I mean, it's not about power, it's about serving the people, but I got this strong, funny feeling that Stacey Abrams isn't out to serve the people, it's that she's out for her own little fucking power grab. But, yeah, that's what we see from that. All right, we got just a few more, then we'll do tw uh, Twitter trending and head on out of here. From CNN, Liz Cheney gets a boost from McConnell amid divisive intraparty battle over Trump's impeachment. From Manu Raju. Representative Liz Cheney, under fire from former President Donald Trump and his staunchest defenders, is picking up support from influential Republicans as her allies close ranks and resist the effort to oust her from the third-ranking spot in the House GOP leadership. Uh, this doesn't matter. And once again, this is all contrived power dynamics here. The people of Wyoming don't want her anymore. Why do you want her in leadership? Explain that to me, please. On Monday, Minority Leader McConnell was the latest Republican to give her a boost, saying that in a statement that she had the courage to act on her convictions in the aftermath of her vote to impeach Trump last month on a charge he incited the deadly insurrection that ransacked the Capitol on January 6th. Liz Cheney is a leader with deep convictions and the courage to act on them, McConnell said. She's an important leader in our party and in our nation. I'm grateful for her service and look forward to continuing to work with her on the crucial issues facing our nation. Well, she's probably going to have to carpet bag because she's not going to survive her primary challenge coming up. Hate to say it, but yeah, she's probably going to be done. The statement comes as a cross-section uh, of GOP lawmakers from top Republicans and Senate leadership like fellow Wyoming Republican Senator John Barrasso to some conservative House Freedom Caucus members like Representative Chip Roy of Texas have publicly defended Cheney in the face of the onslaught from Trump defenders eager to see her defeated. Last week, Representative Matt Gates of Florida, a close Trump ally, traveled to Wyoming to rally against Cheney with the former president's eldest son, Don Jr., calling into the event and demanding she be defeated in next year's primary. Which, once again, if the people of Wyoming don't want her anymore, why in God's name do you want her, McConnell, unless you've got some big piece of power brokerage going up there? So, swamp's gonna swamp. Let's keep going. A little bit of update on Chicago schools, once it loads. CPS students will remain virtual for two more days as progress is made with CTU. From Jessica O, I'm sorry, Jessica D'Onofrio, 
I think is how you pronounce that. While there's still no deal between Chicago Public Schools and the Teachers Union, both sides say they've made progress at the bargaining table on Monday. CPS students will continue virtual learning on Tuesday and Wednesday after the district called for a 48-hour cooling-off period. And as a result, the district said educators would not be locked out of their computers. We don't want a lockout. We want to keep working remotely as we bargain an agreement to return to our classrooms safely. CTU President Jesse Sharkey said in a statement on Monday, We're one step closer to that goal today because management has agreed to stay at the table rather than escalating conflict or locking out educators. And how long does this go on? I noticed they toned down their rhetoric a little bit too. They've gone from hell no, we won't go to, okay, well, we're another step. Yay, yay for that. It's like I got some people over on uh, the other side too, over on Trovo. But yeah, at that point, the kids want to go to school. And I mean, you're doing them a favor by keeping them out of public school, but they're still being taught by the same radical teachers from the public school. And at some point, it is time to start looking at some other options here. Uh, let's see. From the New York Post. Senate Democrats block subpoena for COVID-19 nursing home death data. From Carl Campanile and Bernadette Hogan. Democrats who control the state Senate blocked a motion on Monday to subpoena records of the Cuomo administration seeking a fuller accounting of nursing home residents who died from the coronavirus. The motion was made by Senator Thomas O'Mara, the ranking Republican on the Investigations Committee panel during a virtual meeting. The GOP motion to compel the state health department to release records came just days after Attorney General Letitia James issued a blistering report that found Andy Cuomo and his health agency withheld accurate count of the number of nursing home residents who died from COVID-19 by some 50% by excluding residents who died after their being taken to the hospitals. Hours after the damning report was issued, State Health Commissioner Howard Zucker, who had been accused of stonewalling, gave a more detailed accounting, saying 12,743 nursing home residents had died from COVID-19 as of January 19th. The figure was about 4,000 more nursing home residents' deaths than previously reported, confirming AG's findings. But O'Meara claimed there's more information to be had to make sure that we get to the bottom of the COVID nursing home tally. Well, it's all government corruption at this point. That's all that it is. Cooking the numbers, cooking the books to try and make yourself look good and try to make everybody else look bad. That's all that it is at this point. Hey, who cares where they died? They died, okay? I can't believe he got away with saying that there. And this guy's going to run for president. All right, from the Hill, RNC chairwoman expresses regret over Giuliani News Conference. From John Bowden, the chairwoman of the RNC, Romney uh, McDaniel, said in a new interview that she regrets letting former President Trump's lawyers, namely Giuliani and Powell, spread unproven claims about the 2020 election from the organization's headquarters. Speaking with the New York Times, a former newspaper, McDaniel indicated that she thought it had been a mistake to allow Giuliani and Powell to make the claims about election rigging days after the vote at the RNC's headquarters in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I said that same thing at the news conference. When I saw the news conference, I said, this is a fucking circus. And one of my coworkers actually tried to convince me that these people wouldn't be putting their careers on the line unless they had the evidence ironclad. And I'm like, no, 
No, that's not the case. These people are fucking nuts. These people are crazy. When I saw some of the things that Sydney was saying, without proof, I certainly was concerned that it was happening in my building, McDaniel told the newspapers. There are a whole host of issues we had to deal with. What is the liability of the RNC if these allegations are made and unfounded? During the November 19th press conference at the RNC headquarters, lawyers for the former president, including Powell and Giuliani, claimed that Democrats had organized around the country to steal hundreds of thousands of votes in key battleground states, including Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. So, yeah, no. Giuliani lost his mind at some point. Wiped his hair, wiped his nose. Had the hair dye running off of his face. Powell was just crazy. Now, all these people have individually done good work in their past, but something about this count thing fucking broke them. Yes, I have questions about the election. No, I'm not going to go to the extreme that Rudolph Giuliani and Sidney Powell went to of releasing the Kraken and major conspiracy here. I think it was a minor conspiracy. I don't think it was foreign bought or anything else like that, but I at least have questions about what went on with this, and I'd like them answered at some point, but not in the way the theatrics and the Kraken that came out of this legal team. All right, last one here, then we'll do Twitter trending and head on out of here. And I will see afterwards if I got a letter from Twitch explaining why I got taken off, which I'm pretty positive I got taken off Twitch, probably for talking excessively about guns. San Francisco public school teacher Bernie Sanders admittance at inauguration embodies white privilege, male privilege, and class privilege. Yes, Bernie Sanders is white privilege. From Dave Urbanski. A San Francisco public school teacher just penned an op-ed stating that U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, wearing mittens at President Joe Biden's inauguration, the popular image so many people had fun with recently, embodies white privilege, male privilege, and class privilege. The author of the piece is Ingrid Sayer Ochi, who is also a former UC Berkeley and Mills College professor and ex-Oakland Unified School District principal. She began her piece for the San Francisco Chronicle by saying a few weeks back that she processed the Capitol insurrection with her students. Notably images of white men storming through capital, fearless and with no forces to stop them. <laughs> Sayer Ochi recalled, she told her students at the time, This is white supremacy. This is white privilege. It can be hard to pinpoint, but when we see it, we know it. I am going to have so much fun with this on the Red Net Show next Monday. Guess what we're looking at right now? Then she said that she and her high schoolers analyzed images from the inauguration. The question again was, what do we see? Sayer Ochi's answer was that we saw diversity, creativity, and humanity, and a nation embracing all of this and more. And while she acknowledged that Sanders was barely on our radar on inauguration day, the following day he was everywhere. What do we see, Sayer Ochi recalled in her op-ed, asking her students what more. The answer... We saw a white man in a puffy jacket and huge mittens, distant, not only in his social distancing, but his demeanor and attire. Oh my god. This is hilarious. This is... Bernie Sanders sitting in mittens is white supremacy. 
There it is, folks. The dumbest op-ed you've heard of today. And yet, they're going to get dumber somewhere down the line. Somewhere down, they're going to do something dumber. All right. And that's going to be it for the news today. Oh, I'm. this is going to be hilarious to do on the Red Ned Show next week. I can't wait. This is going to be a funny one. All right. The last thing we do on Tuesday is we do Twitter trending and see what it is that they have going on here. So we've got the uh, trending tab open. Let's do a re uh, refresh to get everything up to the top here and see what's trending today. Number one, Groundhog Day. And I saw this just a little bit uh, before we went live that Fritz mentioned that the Groundhog saw a shadow. Six more weeks of winter which I'm actually okay with because winter came six weeks late. Winter is my favorite season, by the way. It really is. I love winter. I love the snow. And since I rarely ever wear more than a sweatshirt, I would much, much rather be out in the cold than sweating my ass off in the heat. So I like the winter. Yeah, we can have six more weeks of it. I think that'd be cool. But it is Groundhog's Day today. Um, these two are the same, so I'm going to put them together. Ranbo one mil. Who the fuck is Ranbo? Best CC is out there. Let's go Ranbo one million. Ranbo one million POG. I have no idea who Ranbo is. Apparently he's got a Twitch and a Discord. I probably don't care. Looks like he plays Minecraft. I really don't care. Anyway. That's the uh, second one here. Let's do the third one. We'll skip the Tuesday vibes off of this. Um, so the third one will be Fall Guys Season 3.5. Huzzah! Season 3.5 is officially live now. Dark Knight giveaway. Retweet this. Uh, apparently Fall Guys is a video game, which I actually knew that. But uh, yeah, they've got a new season out. So if you like Fall Guys, they're going to have new content. All right, the fourth one of the day. Let's see. Hal Holbrook. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have F's in the chat, aren't we? Hal Holbrook, Emmy and Tony uh, winning actor who uh, portrayed Mark Twain, dies at 95. Uh, looks like he's portrayed Mark Twain for decades, too. Farewell, Father Malone, uh, rest well, Father Malone, the esteemable Hal Holbrook, has passed away. What he leaves behind, loved by his performances in The Fog, All the President's Men, Magnum Force, Creepshow, Capricorn One, The Star Chamber, Wild in the Streets, and Into the Wild, among many, many others. I've never seen anything on that list, but you guys all know that I don't watch movies, so. Um, yeah, F's in the chat for Hal Holbrook, though. Looks like he was uh, he had a good body of work behind him. All right, last one. Is that the last one or is that the third one? That is the last one. This will be the last one here. Michael Tracy. 
Journalist Michael Tracy's tweet sparks controversy for referencing emotional manipulation in describing the content of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Instagram Live. I haven't seen the Instagram Live video from this, but I'm actually I'm curious about it now. Um, but yeah, it looks like he got a bunch of people pissed off. Good to know that any loopy delusional uh, delusion expounded by a politician must now be respected and believed under the aegis of trauma. Clearly, AOC wasn't the same kind uh, in the same kind of mortal danger from the insurrectionists as Michael Tracy was in when Maxine Waters touched his microphone. AOC's account has been corroborated by her staff and members of her Congress. How many witnesses does a woman need before she's believed? Well, no, we believe all women, remember? No, it's convenient to believe all women now again. It's politically convenient for that. But, you know, once it's uh, Tara Reid, now, oh, no, we never said believe all women. Whatever, I don't care at this point. But Michael Tracy. being Doing Michael Tracy things. All right, and that's going to be it for the show today here. Thanks, you guys, for coming and hanging out and uh, hanging with me here. I'm going to see if I got bumped off Twitch for whatever reason. We'll see what happens there. I'm pretty sure that that's what it's going to be is the fact that uh, I was talking too much about the guns in the beginning because of HR 127 that nobody else knows a word about here. So we'll talk about that. If you guys didn't see what we did at the top of the show, I recommend you go back after processes and go see or catch it back up on the audio platform, which has been processing much quicker. So I should be able to get caught up with that later on tonight. So uh, go ahead and check that out. We'll talk about HR 127. You can listen to that once again and everything that's in it because it's fun. And I am going to link that. I'm going to tweet out the uh, the HR and I'm going to link it up in the Discord and the Gilded as well. So go and hang out with there. You can come and help shape the show as well. But uh, definitely something to look at as we go along here. So I'll be back here tomorrow with more contemporary because in light of AOC coming out and bringing the sexual assault forward, I'm sure there's going to be a ton, ton more news. Even by the time I'm off the microphone, I bet you there's a bunch of new stuff that I didn't even know about happened here. So we'll cover all of that. We'll break it all down tomorrow on Contemporary. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary.